Hello. Thanks for listening to our Fusion Sermon Podcast. Fusion is a worshiping community within Hardawike Ministries. We gather at 1030 a.m. in the Red Brick Church Building on the Hardawike campus on the corner of 160th and Lakewood in Holland, Michigan. We invite you to join us in person when you are able. To learn more about our Fusion community and Hardawike Ministries, please visit hardawike.com. But with that, we are continuing our study of what does it look like to act like Jesus. We're exploring uh, 10 core practices that mark the Christian journey of spiritual formation, part of a broader series uh, based on a book, Believe, kind of walking through some core uh, ideas and practices and character traits, virtues of the Christian faith. Uh, And the practices that we're looking at, these are practices that Jesus and his followers made a regular part of their daily life and rhythms uh, as testified in the scriptures. And if you remember, like Jesus is, he is our model. He is our example of how to live. We say Jesus is our savior because he's the one who saves us, rightfully so. We also call Jesus our Lord, which means master because he is the one that we follow. We, we give our life to, he, we, we walk in his footsteps. And the working imagery for, or illustration for this series is that of, a, of an elite athlete or musician or artist or whatever profession and, and who's mastered their craft, right? It takes years of discipline, hours of practice and study and training to get to the highest levels of whatever field or discipline that it might be. Um, and, and as we've been talking about that, the, the discipline, the hours of training and study and practice, uh, that's all a means to a greater end. Like we, we practice for hours on, uh, on a football practice field, not because we love practice so much, but because there's a game coming and we're practicing to prepare for the game. And similarly, or in many ways, uh, the Christian spiritual disciplines, uh, practices are similar. They're, they're means to a greater end. They're, they're pathways, they're doorways toward life in Christ. We, we read scripture not, not so that we can check that list of reading through the Bible in a year and feel good about ourselves. We read scripture to hear from God and to connect with Jesus. And the same is true with prayer and these other disciplines that we've been talking about. And, and that connection, that being with Jesus, then overflows into our lives and how we live and, and live into this call of the Great Commission and the greatest commandments to love God and to love our neighbor. And so far, we've considered corporate worship, we've considered private prayer, we've considered Bible study, reading, meditation. And this morning, we consider a posture of the heart that manifests in our practices in daily life. The practice is single-mindedness. What does it mean? What does it mean to shape our lives around and, and, and toward the one true Lord of heaven and earth revealed in Jesus Christ? Or as our passage this morning speaks of fixing our eyes on Jesus. Uh, and Hebrews 12 offers one of the clearest pictures of this. And so if you have a Bible, I invite you to open your Bibles to Hebrews 12. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 3. And then I invite you to stand if you're willing and able as we honor God, as God speaks to us uh, through his word this morning. Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. 
Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Join me in a word of prayer. Gracious Lord, we continue to thank you for your word. We continue to thank you for your sacrament. We continue to thank you for this space that we set aside each week to gather together as your people, to sing songs of praise, to lift our hearts in prayer, and to hear from your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to speak to us through your word and through the words that I speak. And Lord, in hearing from you this morning, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would continue to shape us and form us more and more into the likeness of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. It's in his name that we pray all these things. God's people say, amen and amen. Back in 2009, uh, Disney released the animated film Up. You familiar with the film Up? Any fans of Up? A little picture there. Uh, the, the movie Up featured the endearing relationship between a grumpy elderly widower who goes by the name Carl and an innocent young lad who is a wilderness explorer, think a Boy Scout named Russell. Uh, and through a series of events, Carl, Russell joins Carl on this excursion to South America via House being attached to thousands of helium balloons, uh, but they land in South America in order to fulfill a promise that Carl made to his late wife, Ellie. Now, one of the more memorable, maybe funny scenes of the film comes uh, shortly after they land in South America on this top of these cliffs, and they meet this, this friendly dog named Doug. What a brilliant name for a dog. Dog, the dog, Doug, the dog. Anyway, yeah, Doug. And Doug, if you remember from the movie, is outfitted with this special collar, and, and the collar enables Doug's consciousness uh, to come out in speech, so Doug can talk through this collar. It's just stream of consciousness. He just utters whatever comes to his mind, and so you have this talking Doug, talking dog named Doug. See, it's confusing. It's brilliant. Anyway, when they first meet Doug, he starts going on and on telling Carl about his master and how good and brilliant his master is. And then suddenly he looks to the right, squirrel. Do you remember this scene? Squirrel. And, and it kind of becomes this ongoing bit in the movie. Uh, it's repeated throughout the movie where there's other talking dogs. Some of their voice modulators are damaged and someone talks with this high voice. And, and all the dogs are just easily distracted. Squirrel, right? Which is totally a dog. Right? Anyone have do like dogs love squirrels, and they just get distracted by squirrels, right? And, and, and in fact, I don't, this is a meme now, and so this kind of scene, this kind of squirrel has kind of, kind of become a meme, and I, don't, I think it's also kind of entered into our modern vernacular, right? Like, we, we kind of say this when people are distracted. Anyone? Anyone use this or see this? Like, squirrel, oh man, squirrel, I got distracted, right? It's kind of, it's kind of entered its way into our modern vernacular, and whenever someone gets distracted, squirrel. Anyway, as I was kind of just reflecting on this funny scene and, and this whole idea of, of being distracted by a squirrel, I, I just began to wonder and ponder if one of the reasons why it's kind of caught on, why this meme has kind of caught on, is because all, all humor, there's a little bit of truth there. And, and I wonder if we all kind of recognize how easily we can be distracted today. Our, our attention is so easily 
pulled away from what we're trying to focus on, and it's so easily pulled in a variety of different directions, coming from a plethora of contradicting voices, all competing for our time and our attention. Am I the only one? Many of these voices, we can maybe call them squirrels, the thing that, you know, what's that? Squirrel, squirrel. The voices that are vying for our attention today, whether they're, they're sports or news or politics or global events or media or pop culture, whatever it is, think about this. All of these competing voices, they all want our attention, right? And they all have a direct link into our lives through the phone. I don't have my phone on me, which is good, but they all have this kind of direct line into our, our lives and our consciousness through this little pocket computer called a phone. And countless studies over the last decade or so have shown that the average American spends hours a day on their phone. On average, we touch or we pick up or we tap our phones over a couple thousand times. And these are, these are statistics that are actually a little dated now. And most of us, I'm guessing, I mean, if we just were asked, how, how often do you spend on your phone? We, we wouldn't even know how much time we actually spend on our phone or how many times we touch our phone and, unless we open that little, that little section on the phone, screen time, which is always like, oh, man, wow. I don't know, for, for me, it's like kind of convicting, right, when I look at that. Now, I don't say that to, to, to really to shame us or guilt us, but... In fairness, um, Silicon Valley, like, and there's some things happening in the news right now where this is being addressed, but Silicon Valley, like, has hired the, the world's brightest minds to write complex algorithms with the sole purpose of distracting and capturing and monopolizing and monetizing your attention and my attention. They are designed to get the result that they're getting right? So squirrel, squirrel, right? All that's to say is I just kind of bring that up to say that it's not gotten easier to follow Jesus. In our digital world, it's not gotten easier. It's especially difficult to keep our hearts and our minds singularly focused on Jesus and God's good purposes in this world through his coming kingdom. Because we have squirrels coming at us thousands of times a day in the metaphorical sense. Or if we're using kind of the working imagery from our text, we could maybe say it's getting harder and harder to run the race faithfully because we're so distracted by so many different competing voices coming into our hearts and minds every day. This is the imagery of our passage this morning. It's the imagery of a race. At uh, the end of verse 1, it says, Let's, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And so right there we have this powerful image uh, of an athlete running a race. Think first century Greco-Roman style Olympic games. This is our word picture in our text. It's a long distance foot race, one that requires perseverance. Uh, think, think about this being taken place in a Colosseum, Roman Greco, Greco-Roman style Colosseum. We're, there's mentioned a, a cloud of witnesses, which might be the crowd in the Colosseum, but the cloud of witness for, for the author here is referring to those who've run the race before us, those mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. There's a whole list of those who have, who have run the race in faith, who have run this race by faith. And, and here's the interesting thing is those who have run the race, they're not our competition. It's a beautiful picture. But they're actually our brothers and sisters who are, who are cheering us on toward the goal 
right? And the goal is, is union with Christ for us as those who follow Jesus. And let's just think about this cloud of witnesses who is cheering us on. I, I, I couldn't help but think about, but what we just did with, for Margo, and now she's just sleeping just angelically in Jordan's arms right now. You guys can't see that, but, you know, we, we, we cheer on our young ones, our, our little ones, our covenant children. We cheer on each of us, right? We cheer one another on to run the race faithfully and to run the race well. In Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 3, we have this beautifully, beautifully concise description of, of singular focus. What does it mean to have our singular focus, our focus, our single-mindedness on Jesus Christ using kind of this race imagery? What is single-mindedness, and what does it require, and why does it matter for us today? And those are kind of some of our working questions this morning. And what I want to do is just work our way through our passage, beginning with what we need to be freed from. Hebrews 12 opens with this way. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses pointing to the previous chapter, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. In the context of, of, a, of an athlete running a race, this imagery is powerful, right? A runner cannot run their best race with added weight or excess baggy clothing kind of weighing them down. This summer, there's going to be the Olympic Games, right? And Olympic athletes run different than us in many ways. They also wear different clothing, amen? <laughs> right? So, so they, they wear like, like scientifically engineered suits that, that are aimed at limiting any kind of drag, right? So they can run the fastest rain. They don't have anything weighing them down or holding them back because to, they know the goal. They know the purpose. It's to run as fast as you can. And so you get rid of anything that's not helpful, right? And for the race of life, that, that refers here to all hindrances and, and all the sin that entangles. Let's talk about each of those. Let's begin with the sin that entangles. This phrase, the sin that so easily entangles, the word sin, we're familiar with that in church circles, right? Less and less familiar in our broader culture, but sin is a word that simply means to, to miss the mark. It's not part, anything that's not part of God's good plan and good order for life found in God's word, that's, that's sin. And, and then the Greek for entangles describes something that completely surrounds and circles or risks tripping us up. Think of a runner whose, whose legs are wrapped up by a snare or something. It trips you up. Uh, anyone trip while running? You don't have to. Why would I ask you to raise your hand for that? Yes, I am very clumsy, yeah. Well, I'm going to raise my hand because I remember uh, just a year ago, I'm, I'm running early in the morning. It's dark, running in the neighborhood, and, and in our neighborhood, there's some new construction, and I didn't even see it, but there was one of these uh, road-closed barriers, like heavy-duty metal ones, and the leg, the leg of that sign is sticking out, and I didn't see it, but right in my path, and I kick that thing with my shin, and I just take a tumble right there in the middle of our neighborhood, and it hurt. Yeah, you're like, yeah, okay. And now some of you are laughing, thanks. Um, it hurt. And, and, that's what, and that's what sin... That's what sin does. Like sin is there to trip us up and to cause us to fall on our face. And it hurts in more ways than one. Well, Hebrews takes this imagery a step further. It's not just the sin that entangles, but it's anything that hinders. It's not just sin. It's anything. It's everything that hinders us on this race. We should, we should throw it off. We should cast it to the side. And here the imagery in the Greek is that of a bulky weight, like something that's burdensome, right? So imagine trying to run a race and you're ca carrying a heavy weight. Like imagine a backpack filled with Encyclopedia Britannicas 
And some of you young people are like, what is that? Well, imagine all of Google from the 90s in a volume of books. It's a lot, okay? And it's in a backpack and it's on your back and you're supposed to run a race? Like, of course that would hinder us. That would slow us down. In many ways, these, are, are, these include the squirrels, right? The things that distract our attention. Squirrel, squirrel, the, th- the distractions in life. Things that like sports or, or hobbies or, or various causes or passions or pleasures. Like most often, the things that hinder us aren't necessarily bad or evil, right? It's not sin that entangles, but it's other things. It's anything else. But oftentimes, it's these things that are not bad or evil, they, they just as much keep us from what is most important, which is pursuing God's plan and goodness and pursuing God's coming kingdom, right? Now, it doesn't mean we can't have hobbies. It doesn't mean we can't have interests. But I do think it's important to honestly consider our own lives and, and, and to take kind of a self-inventory, to kind of, assess, to kind of have a little heart assessment, like what are the things in my life that are preventing me from running the race God is calling me to, right? Sin. Are there sins in our lives? Not just behaviors, maybe mindsets, things that we think. Are there things in our lives? And just to to pause and to consider and to reflect and just to do an internal heart assessment, like are there disordered desires, like things that I long for that are unhealthy? Are there unhealthy passions in my life that need to be addressed? Are there different lusts or indulgences that that are just out of control and disproportionate to the life of following Jesus? Is there pride in my life that needs to be addressed? Is there jealousy? What about unforgiveness? That's a big one. Unforgiveness that makes us bitter and hold others in contempt. These are snares that will cause us to trip up. But again, it's not just sins. What what are the hindrances? What are the things that that have disproportionate influence in my heart, that are are consuming, taking up too much residence in my mind and my thoughts, that consume my time, consume my energy, consume emotional space in my life, that take me away from the things that are better, that God has laid out in my life? What are those things? And for each of us, it's going to be different. And for some of us, like, maybe you have a healthy relationship with sports and your sports team. By now, you will know that I probably don't, and I need to address that, right? So what is it in your life, things that, you know this better than anyone else, but it's important for us to pause and to consider the things in our lives that are keeping us from the race and running the race God has in store for us. And to recognize it is the first step, to acknowledge it, like, hmm, this is... This is holding my heart a little too much. To recognize the first step, then you can kind of develop a plan of how to begin to throw things aside. Hint on that, one of the most powerful things, there's all these apps on your phone. I would evaluate what apps need to be on there and what apps don't. Because one of the simplest, pragmatical things we can do to throw things off is just to hit delete on an app. As one who's had to delete some apps. Okay. Things we need to be freed from. The sin that entangles and anything that hinders. Next we continue. Read that, that running the race as Christ followers requires that we fix our eyes on Jesus, that we, we focus on Jesus. Hebrews 12 picks up. And let us 
run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Here is is maybe the most plain and simple statement on the direction and focus of our hearts and our minds as followers of Jesus Christ in the New Testament. The image is of running a race, the race of life, with a singular focus being on Jesus Christ. We are to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, or as, as Paul will write in Colossians 3, set our hearts and set our minds on things above. Our eyes, our hearts, our minds are to be focused on Jesus. And why is that? Well, here in Hebrews 12, we fix our eyes on Jesus because he is both the pioneer and perfecter of faith. And included in that is our faith, right? He is the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Uh, In the Greek here, we look at pioneer. Uh, It literally means the first to lead, uh, to the first to lead. And so Jesus is the one who, who led the way. He showed us what true faith looks like. He he paved the way. He blazed the trail ahead of us. And for all those witnesses who came before us, as Hebrews 11 would say, he showed us the way. He ran the race first. And in this way, uh, and this way that he showed us is the way of self-sacrificial love and radical obedience to the Lord. We're going to talk more about that next week, self-sacrifice. But he showed us. He he, he blazed the trail. He's the first to do it, right? He showed us the way. And the second word, then, perfecter, comes from the Greek root word telos, which, which means perfect, but, but also means completion. And so, meaning, meaning we fix our eyes on Jesus because, yeah, he, he ran the race to perfection, but, but he ran it to completion. The life, the death, the resurrection, the ascension, the promised return of Jesus, this is perfection. This is, this is the completed race, Right? And so not only, so then he promises then to lead us and to bring us to the finish line as well. By the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives, he leads us and brings us to completion, to complete the race. And so think about this. We fix our eyes on Jesus because Jesus is the one who ran the race already, shows us the way to live, and then promises by the work of the Holy Spirit to lead us in that way, bringing all aspects of our lives into alignment with the good news of the kingdom of God. Pioneer, perfecter. Beautiful, beautiful imagery there, beautiful words. To kind of help uh, think about this another way, I, back in college, I, I spent a, a few summers uh, working at a golf course in the greater Milwaukee area. Uh, the, the name of the golf course, there's the 18th hole, uh, I'm doubtful anyone played this golf course, but the name of the golf course is Brown Deer Golf Course uh, in Brown Deer, Wisconsin. That's where I grew up. You're like, Brown Deer, funny name. I, I know, I've heard it before. But anyway, Brown Deer Golf Course is the golf course I worked at. Little, little known fact about Brown Deer Golf Course, it was once the location of the Greater Milwaukee Open, a PGA Tour event. And when I worked there, this event would come through every summer, which kind of ups the ante, right? Here's another little known fact. This is just... And extra, extra credit. Tiger Woods, are you familiar? Do you know who Tiger Woods is? Yeah, yeah. He started his PGA t- career at Brown Deer Golf Course at the Greater Milwaukee Open. There you go, little known fact. Not when I was there. I was not there at that time. That preceded me. But anyway, while I was working at, the, at, at this golf course, what, what was heightened was perfection, right? 
And so you're on a golf course, and when the PGA Tour comes, they, they like just nitpick everything. And so bunkers need to be completely fluffed and perfect, even though they're hazards. You're not supposed to go there, but we treat it like it's prime real estate. Anyway, apparently I'm, I'm holding some bitterness about this. Not really. <laughs> fairways, right, they have to be completely straight. And so when you look at a fairway, the lines, you know, no, not this. It needs to be a straight line on the fairway to tease the greens. And there was greater priority for different holes. If the hole was on TV... High priority. Anyway, I never got to the level where I was mowing fairways on 18 or the green on 18, these TV holes, but I was at the rest of the summer uh, mowing some fairways. And so the key when you're trying to get straight lines on a fairway is that first pass. The first pass, to get that first pass straight is so key because you, you have nothing else around you to kind of follow a line. And here was the, here was the instruction when you're trying to mow that first pass on a fairway. You find a tree or something in the distance and you just focus on that, that thing in the distance and you just mow straight toward that thing. You don't look back, you don't look down, you don't try to envision some straight line like you have some magic powers. You look at that tree in the distance, you focus on it and you go straight and everything else will fall into line. Now, is any illustration perfect? Certainly not. But in some ways, we, we fix our eyes on Jesus and we set that priority on Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. And all other things begin to fall in line. Or as Jesus says in Matthew 6, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We keep the main thing, the main thing. We keep our top priority, our top priority, because the main thing, Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, when that's the main thing, when that's what our eyes are focused on, that gospel, that good news will intersect, will influence, and will impact all other aspects of our lives. See, friends, one of the things I was thinking about this week is, is there's so much in our world that's beyond our control. And there's voices coming our way. Whether you, whether you turn off your phone or delete apps, there are thousands of voices and squirrels coming our way. And we don't get to choose what happens in the world. And so many things are beyond our control. But what we do get to choose, to a certain extent, is we get to choose what we think about. And we get to choose where we direct our hearts. We get to choose which voices we want to block out and which voices we want to listen to and focus on. And so I just began to wonder, what would happen if we did a better job of, of curating those voices? What would happen if we actually followed Paul's instruction in Philippians 4, verses 8 and 9, when he says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. We get to choose what voices we listen to, what voices we start and finish our day with. And that all sounds nice, but how do we do that? And we've, we've talked about this a little bit in the last couple of weeks. What does it mean? How do, how, do we, how do we fix our eyes on Jesus? How do, we, how do we set our focus on Jesus Christ? And I just think, Real practical, where do I begin? What would, what would happen if we begin and end each day centered on Jesus Christ, 
fixing our attention on Jesus. We've talked about this in prayer. We've talked about this in, in beginning the day by reading our Bible. And last week, if you were here, uh, I mentioned like putting a physical Bible at your bedside in, instead of your phone or at least on top of your phone so that you're reminded before grabbing the phone, the first thing we do when we wake up, we actually like spend some time in the Word. But I also mentioned this Bible app last week. Well, this week I, I began using um, the YouVersion Bible app and uh, one of the tools that was on there was just a, t- a daily prayer guide. And, and here's a screenshot of one of the days this week. And, and it's like five minutes. I mean, you can really take as long or as little as, as you want. But I set it t- to, to give me a reminder. So a banner on my phone says, hey, it's time to pray. So you open that up. And I go, you just go through kind of five screens. And there's just an example of just centering and grounding yourself in prayer. And uh, not only that, there's, there's a little music. I don't, that, that, that's helpful, kind of this music that kind of... Anyway, it's just, it was just helpful. And, and for me, admittedly, there's, there were plenty of squirrel moments. You know, I, I got a 10-year-old and a 6-year-old, so there were squirrels running all over the living room when I'm trying to do this, this quiet time. But there was something about finding a helpful baseline to begin my days that has made an impact. And uh, I just encourage you, whatever that is, whatever works for you to find some way to begin and end your day grounding yourself, centering ourselves in Jesus Christ. If you can do a lunch break, great, but start where you're at, right? It's not about meeting some goal. It's just God wants to meet you where you're at. There's one idea. And friends, as we close, here's, here's why it matters. Here's why it matters. You see, most of the time, um, when life is, is coasting along, think about this from like a race course perspective, when the terrain is pretty flat, Most of the time when the terrain is pretty flat, we can get away with being distracted by some squirrels. Um, We can get away with carrying a little extra baggage because the terrain is flat, maybe slightly downhill. We can get away with maybe even being a little tangled up with some things. But what we know is eventually the the, the racetrack is going to get tough. The terrain is going to get treacherous. It's going to get steep incline, going up or down. And it's when the terrain gets tough is when we realize just how crucial these words of wisdom in Hebrews chapter 12 truly are. It's when we realize that we can't be having all this extra baggage, that this is really weighing us down and I'm, I'm, I'm barely able to move because of the, the weight that I'm carrying. I need to fix my eyes on Jesus because sometimes life can be tough. And so we train our eyes squarely on Jesus. And this is where verse three comes in because we consider Jesus, we fix our eyes on Jesus, we remember Jesus because it is Jesus that gives us the strength to remain faithful. Verse three, we read this. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We remember when the race gets tough, when the path ahead feels impossible, we consider, we remember, we fix our eyes on Jesus because he's already completed the journey. And remember that, we remember that it was not an easy journey for Jesus, but yet Jesus suffered and he endured the cross. Why? Knowing the joy that lay before him, which is glory with his Father. And so we consider Jesus, we remember Jesus, we fix our eyes on Jesus, especially when the terrain gets tough because that gives us energy and strength and encouragement and hope. And 
we remember those countless other witnesses who've gone before us in faith. There is something about living as a community of faith. Hebrews 11 lists those many witnesses. Do you realize that none of those witnesses listed in, in chapter 11 ran a perfect race? But it was faith. All were used by God to bring about God's good purposes that, that led to Jesus. But we, we consider those faithful witnesses. We consider ourselves as faithful witnesses who are imperfect examples of faithfulness, but they give us encouragement and they give us hope and they give us strength. I think about the promises we made over little Margot in baptism this morning. Our prayer and our hope is that our parents, Jordan and Naomi, grandparents, family, friends, but also this church family, we make promises to surround her, to be faithful witnesses who will continue to point her to Jesus, who is the pioneer, the perfecter of her faith. And as that liturgy says, reminding her of this good news until it becomes her own. Again, we don't do that through our perfect actions or our perfect words, but in an imperfect journey, straining with our eyes fixed and focused on our Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom come here on earth. May we encourage one another as we trust and lean in on this Jesus who is our Lord and our Savior. Let's pray for the Spirit's help to strengthen us. Will you join me? Lord God, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that, that your word is, is, is filled with these word pictures and these images that help us understand begin to understand your purposes in our lives. God, we pray that you would, by your spirit, I think of the prayer of Psalm 139, to search our hearts, oh God, that you would reveal to us those things that are, that are hindering us, that are, that are making this race difficult. And by your grace, Holy Spirit, would you prune and would you take those things and, and, and give practical ways to that these things can be thrown off so that we can fix our eyes on you. And Lord, for some of us, Lord, maybe we're discouraged because life is tough. Lord, may, may we consider our Lord Jesus Christ who suffered and died to bring life both now and forever. And Lord, may that give us encouragement and hope. And Lord, as, as the community of faith, may we come around one another to remind us and to point our hearts and our lives and our eyes to Jesus, who is the author, the pioneer, the perfecter of faith. Lord, life is a journey. We certainly can't do it alone. We depend on your spirit and your spirit's work through the community of faith. We thank you for this reminder. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening. To learn how to get involved in our Fusion community or how to support Heart Awake Ministries, please visit us at heartawake.com.